We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Pod Maverick. This is Pod Maverick After Dark. I'm going to be straight with y'all. Um, this is the second time we're doing this because we recorded about 16 minutes or so of a podcast, and I swear on everything that is holy and 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 my grandparents' grave that I clicked the go live button, but I did not. So me um, and Jordan with me have been talking into the void for about 16 minutes. So we're just going to remember everything we said and just repeat it. So, so no harm, no foul. This is Josh Bo. This is pod Maverick after dark. Um, I'm editor of masmoneyball.com. I'm joined by Jordan Brodus, another senior editor, masmoneyball.com. One of our draft experts, Jordan, tell me again, how do you feel to be on the, on the pod tonight? Well, I was already saying that it felt like we were, it was self-fulfilling prophecy and all of that, but now repeating myself, it's, it's feeling more and more prophetic, this, this whole experience it, or we're in some sort of twilight zone. Um, but because I, I feel like it, not just the fact that we just talked about what happened, uh, here with the Dallas Mavericks pick, but because uh, Derek Lively, who they selected uh, with a first round pick tonight, um, he is probably the most talked about uh, prospect from Mavericks fans uh, online over the last few weeks. Um, So it sort of feels like this was all just meant to be that we were marching toward uh, Derek Lively as a Maverick one way or the other. Um, and the thing that I, I mentioned earlier and, uh, what we've talked about already is that earlier today, Josh and I were going back and forth about what was going to happen with this pick. And we were, and he was saying that he didn't think that lively was where the Mavericks were going to go. And I said, I think it's possible. And I said that it's only going to be okay as long as they trade back and either get a contributing, uh, veteran player, um, or if they can shed one of these salaries that 
we know for a while the Mavericks have been looking to uh, eliminate from the cap. So they did that. So I, I think I am uh, required to be happy. Um, I, I think that Lively brings some interesting things to the table. He wouldn't have been the player I necessarily would have gone with at 10 or maybe even 12. Um, but if the Mavericks were, and this I think is probably the biggest point uh, to remind ourselves tonight is if the Mavericks are going to pick Lively at 10 and Intel coming into tonight suggested that the Mavericks were interested in Lively uh, at 10, that if that's the case, um, the fact that they were able to still pick him at 12 and shed Davis Bertan's salary, which was somewhere, I think we said around 16, 17 million um, and create this traded player exception, um, then that has to be seen as, as a positive. Whether you think Lively is the short-term or long-term best prospect for them to take, um, if that was their guy at 10 and they were able to do some maneuvering and still get him, then that's a good thing. Yeah. it's. I think it's unequivocally, objectively good business, what they did so far tonight. And I don't think anyone can really object to that. I mean, you took a player you were interested at 10 anyway. Um, in the process, you got rid of one of your worst contracts. Um, you now have the the full MLE uh, mid-level exception, which is about 12 million as, as our astute uh, commenters commenters are, are putting in, in the chat, um, which 12 million a year can definitely get you somewhat like a, a starting level player. Um, hell, Bruce Brown, Denver Nuggets, their six-man dynamo. Uh, his contract was just like a little over six million a year with their exception that they signed him with last year. Um, so yeah, it's good business. You still get the player you wanted. You didn't lose out on the guy they wanted. Who it's, it's clearly they wanted lively. Uh, it's clear that's the guy they zeroed in on. Um, I would imagine maybe if an Anthony Black or a Taylor Hendricks got to them, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. But it's clear that they had contingency plans for if the guy we want falls, we'll stay at ten. If if not, we've got we've got a trade in place, and that's what they did, and that's all we can ask for. Um, you know, they didn't dump the pick, just the dump salary, like that was some of the the sum of all fears, worst case scenario. They still took a player and dumped a contract and made their offseason maneuverability a little bit easier. Um, having said that, I understand why some people are bummed. Uh, good business does not always mean it's the most exciting or, or the flashy move. Um, I t- talked a couple weeks ago about DeAndre Ayton and why I wouldn't want to give a center that's not a star um, $30 million plus a season because I feel like you can draft these role-player centers like a Rob Williams, like a Rudy Gobert, um, those types of players, Mitchell Robinson, those guys are always there in the 20s, top of the second round. Even undra- Maxi Kleba was an undrafted free agent. So I've always thought that investing into a center, unless it's like a star quality center, is not the best use of resources. This nudges up against that stance a little bit for me because 12 isn't like, necessarily a pick you use to get stars but it's also you know it's not necessarily picking the 20s um so i understand you know there's a bit of trepidation because Derek lively is he's a raw prospect he only played about 20 minutes per game at duke he came on really strong at the end of the year from what i from what i understand and then i think the big thing for me is i want to say before jordan i'm going to kick it to you to talk more about lively because you you've watched more of him than i have there's a tendency after the draft, you fall in love with guys. And then, you know, the team doesn't draft the guy you want. 
And I've been guilty of this. I mean, Jordan makes fun of me for my Desmond Bain uh, ranting <laughs> ravings in Slack for like the last three or four years. Um, it doesn't know, you know, falling in love with a guy in the draft, especially when you're not like in the top three, when it's not like preordained, um, when there's a lot more movement happening, when it's your turn to pick, it's just tricky business because it's just doesn't, it's not how it works out. Um, these guys are also 19, 18. I think is Lively still Lively still 18 or is he is he 19? I think I think that might be right. I'll have to double check. I think he's still technically 18. Um maybe I think I think he'll be 19 by the time the season starts. Um like we don't know. We we don't know. Like we do our best to talk about these guys and project forward, like that's the game, but we really don't know. These guys are kids. He's already I, 19. He's already 19. Okay, either way, still yeah. 19, very young. Like when Josh Green was picked, I didn't like the pick. I was obviously very upset. I wanted Desmond Bain. Obviously, Desmond Bain is is currently a better NBA player than Josh Green. But as Josh Green has shown in the last 12 months, a lot of progress and development, and he's already doing things I would have never guessed from watching him his rookie year or watching his college. He was like a 40% shooter in the paint in college. And last season, you know, he's shooting 50% on floaters. Like we don't know. Like, no one would have said that Josh Green would have been able to do that. These guys are 19. They could turn into a lot of different things. And I feel like having a hard stance of this guy's like, I'm mad at this pick. This guy stinks. He's 19. He hasn't played an NBA game. We don't know. And all we can bet go on is, you know, for me, it's more like player archetype and role. I would prefer the Mavericks invest their most precious resources into bigger athletic wings, but Hey, the best big athletic wings were gone by 10, you know, had Taylor Hendricks off the board, Anthony black off the board, Jairus Walker off the board. So I understand the Mavericks point of view. Hey, they took someone really big and athletic, which I can't, you know, I would have, I think I'd honestly rather have someone like lively than someone like Casey Wallace, who I think you could argue Wallace will might be a better NBA player or at least a better NBA player quicker. But Wallace is also like a 6'3 guard, and I'm tired of the Mavericks having 6'3, 6'4 player. Like, I want some big guys. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm getting kind of long-winded. I want to kick it to you, Jordan, to talk more about Lively. But I just think if you're disappointed with this pick, I understand. And I'm not saying Lively is going to work out. He could very – he could bust. All these guys could bust. But I just think putting a fast and hard definitive stance on a 19-year-old that hasn't played an NBA game yet Let's just cool the Jets a little bit and let's see what happens. Uh, and worse, you know, at least at the very least right now, we can say, hey, they got off the Bernon steel. They opened up the MLE. That's objectively good. And then we hope for the best with Lively. Uh, Jordan, what do you kind of think about Lively as a player? Um, I think, you know, the Mavericks for several seasons now have been longing for a uh, rim protector mm-hmm. and uh, someone who can provide some sort of um i guess rebounding which you can debate whether lively brings uh that rebounding or not um but uh what you're getting in lively is exactly the reason that they told us they were signing javale mcgee last summer um it is they they have wanted someone who could be not just the uh rim protector uh that you thought maybe javale mcgee was going to be but also someone who can uh, be a lob threat. Uh, you know, they have that tandem uh, in Dwight Powell in previous seasons with, with Luca. He's created uh, some chemistry with Luca as a lob threat, but Powell does not bring 
any of the rim protection that Lively does. So in Derek Lively, you're getting the rim protection and you're probably getting it from day one. There's a huge learning curve for big men, especially non-elite big men, elite prospects being like a top five prospect. Um, there's a huge learning curve when it comes to defensive rotations and stuff like that, but you're getting someone who I think will possess those skills probably off the bench uh, from day one, which is a huge plus. Is he going to be able to clean up all of the other defensive problems and maybe why Josh, he would want to lean toward finding a perimeter defender rather than a uh, in the paint defender. I don't know that he's going to be able to do that, but he's a smart defender uh, and has good timing and good athleticism that that's the main reason you'd be bringing in lively that I, I, I can't imagine that there would be another reason uh, that you'd be bringing him in because he does have his limitations. He, outside of lob threat, he doesn't do much else offensively. Um, he, you know, there, there's some, I think some flashes of potential as a, a, having a jump shot, but I don't think that that's happening anytime soon. Um but uh, he will finish lobs and, you know, on another team, maybe that, that limitation gets exposed, but hopefully playing alongside Luca, that should be his only job. Anyway, you'd like someone who could maybe provide some pop threat from a pick and roll. But if you're pairing him with Luca and maybe Kyrie Irving um, and you have other shooters surrounding um the perimeter than having that lob threat that he is a very good lob finisher, then, you know, that would be the reasons why um, there, there are other questions about his, his defense or his offense, his fouling is, is maybe the most concerning. Um, I think uh, Matthew uh, Phillips at, at the website, he wrote just, just like 48 hours ago, wrote a profile <laughs> on lively forest. Cause we realized that, he was moving f further and further uh, up the draft board and we didn't have a piece on him uh, yet, even though we had talked about him so much. Um, but I think Matthew wrote in that piece that he is averaging something like eight fouls per 100 possessions, which is sort of jaw dropping um, and is going to be the reason that he is not on the floor very often as a, as a rookie, probably, because that's where big men see the biggest learning curve is they end up fouling. And it was the same reason that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who was just defensive player of the year early in his career, he could not stay on the floor because of foul trouble. So if he's if still, concern, he still has issues. Yeah, I mean, foul. yes, yes. And he's just, <laughs> I mean, tough. he's just that good defensively that, right. that he can still make that impact. So I guess your hope would be lively would have that similar trajectory, not to say that he'll be a defensive player of the right. year, but that he can learn on the go as a defender and maybe not foul so much, but I would expect uh, that will be our biggest complaint uh, in year one with lively is he's going to foul a whole, whole lot. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things. Um, the fan base always out for blood for Dwight Powell. You're <laughs> not, everyone is like, well, he's already better than Dwight Powell. I don't know who's going to start. Uh, in October at center for the Mavericks, but I would not put it past Powell being the starting center. And that's not even me trying to knock lively. Again, the things that we're trying to say is that it takes, you know, the things that the big men, big men have to learn in the NBA. If you're, especially for lively, who didn't play a lot in college, like it just takes time. Like these guys, 
you know, Tyson Chandler is the comp for, for lively a lot. Like people love to say like, he's the Tyson Chandler starter kit. Like Tyson Chandler didn't really unlock it until he got to new Orleans and he was 24 or 25 years old. And he didn't become the best player he is until he got to Dallas. He was 28. So, and like it, if it's so it's it's gonna i'm not saying it's gonna take time i'm just just want people to realize that if he's not the starting center in in october like it's the pick is not a failure yet you know there's things these guys have to learn yeah i i think that i think that that to many of us when we were talking about the prospect of lively being the pick weeks ago was the concern of time frame of like it's not a question of can lively grow into being a dominant defensive force in the NBA. I think a lot of us feel like he, he, he might be able to be that. The, the question is how much time will that take because he is raw elsewhere in his game? How much time is it going to take for him to, to grow into that um, to be the dominant starting center that the Mavericks maybe are looking for? Do they have that time frame? with what they're trying to build around Luca. That's where I think you had your um, uh, concerns or your hesitancy in thinking the Mavericks would go in this direction was because we knew it would take time and everything we've heard from the front office since the season ended is a need for building a roster around Luca and, and, or, and Kyrie, whatever that can allow them to bounce back quickly and make it back to the playoffs after what was an embarrassing this last season. Right. Um, I just didn't have it. I didn't, you know, knowing the Mavs history, I know it's a new front office, but I just didn't think that they would take the guy that's going to need some time. Obviously Luca is a cheat code. He will help lively progress faster than if lively went to, let's say Washington or, or something like that. You know, a team that doesn't have an established playmaker already, or even like, you know, if, if you replace, Lively with, uh, I don't know, like if you went to Charlotte, obviously he's not going to get picked up. I'm just saying Luca helps because it's not a typical lottery team. You know, he's not going to have to worry about offense other than screening and knowing where to be, which, by the way, that's a skill to learn. And he's not necessarily going to be able to do that day one. Um, you know, Dwight Powell had to learn it too. And I interviewed Dwight Powell years back, like uh, around like 2017 or so during the dark, the dark years, the dark tanking years <laughs> after Dirk was nearing his retirement. And because Powell didn't come out of college as one of those guys. And I asked him, I was like, you know, everyone says that you just kind of, you know, if you're, if you're tall and athletic, you know, you can be a, a rim runner, but how, you know, what did it take? And he's like, Oh, I had like, I didn't know how to set screens. Like I didn't do any of that in college. Cause he was like more like he shot jumpers in college. Um, he played like more of a perimeter based big man game. Um, he's like, I didn't know how to screen. I didn't know how to read offenses. He's like, I, I thought only guards had to read offenses. Like, I have to read the offense to know when to slip, when to, when, when to roll, you know, when to dive, you know, I have to like, he, you know, hesitate, keep up with my guard and the rhythm of the pick and roll. It's not just always rumble down to the rim. As soon as you set the pick, I have to time when to release the pick, like all this stuff he talked about. And it, and it, and it really opened my eyes in terms of like, it's just not that easy. Uh, and again, not saying lively, like lively should be able to do this. He seems enthusiastic interview interviews. He's been given. He seems to understand where his bread is going to get buttered in the NBA in terms of like, how can he maximize his potential? So he's not going to be a guy that's going to, I don't think he's going to be complaining about touches and things like that. Um, I think he understands his role, which is nice and that should help him, but uh, it's going to take some time to learn. Um, 
I think the big thing we should probably now pivot to is the reason why this pick was so contentious, I think, with some of the fan base is because of who they didn't pick. Um, and the big name is is Cam Whitmore, who it looks like is now going off the board at 20 to Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Whitmore and Amen Thompson on the same roster is kind of mind-blowing uh, considering 24 hours ago. But that's a team that obviously doesn't care um, about you know, immediate uh, progress. So the Mavericks didn't take Whitmore. He was projected to be a top five pick. I think early mocks, most of them were taking him at five to Detroit. Um, I don't think, like when I started to fall in love with guys, I fall in love with Walker and Taylor Hendricks um, and Anthony Black. And I didn't even look at Whitmore because I just, like everyone I talked to, it was just like, he's not going to be like, he's going to be gone by like six. Like he's not going to make it, like don't even think about it. Like, just don't even think about it at all. So I never did. Um, so that makes yeah. it kind of shocking that the Mavericks not only passed on him, but so many other teams did. But I think that goes to prove, like, there's obviously something wrong with his knee and his medicals. So I understand people getting upset in the moment, but the Mavericks aren't the only team that dropped on him. Obviously, down the road, it could look like a mistake, but I don't think we can crush the Mavericks too much Um for what's obviously some red flags popped up with his medical history. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the context of all of that is I think coming into the week, uh, it was seen as a top nine draft board and then kind of a, a jump from nine to 10. And, um, <clears throat> and so with the Mavericks being at 10, uh, there was always this, this thought of like, well, that that's maybe the motivation to start trading back is because the value kind of consensus value was believed to be that after nine, there was a drop. So when um, it was Bilal Koulibaly out of France that was drafted inside that top nine, who was not projected to be there. Um, we knew looking at the board that at least one of the mm-hmm. two or three players that we were looking at Taylor Hendricks uh, being one of the others, uh, that it would be there for the Mavericks. So when Whitmore is there, it felt like, uh, you know, a victory lap in some ways. And, you know, had, had Cam Whitmore come off the board at 13, 14, 15, I would probably be pretty upset right now. (laughs) Um, But there's obviously something there that, that we don't know uh, that the league knows and has concern for, whether that be his, his medical history or otherwise. Um, I would assume it's, it's that because uh, his talent level would suggest, like you're saying that he's a top five pick. Um, So maybe, maybe it is a steal later on down the road, but enough teams balked at that, that uh, it, I, I I don't think you can debate that. I think Mm -hmm. the debate, if you were going to have it is, is whether it would have been better. And you mentioned it before of actually making that 10th pick for case and Wallace as a like lockdown perimeter point of attack defender. And you really liked Um, him coming into the draft, didn't you? Or I don't know, really it might be overselling it. So, I mean, I guess Ian and I had some conversations that were published on the site that, uh, you know, I, I proposed to him earlier in the week, knowing that it was getting more and more likely that the Mavericks going to trade back. And I thought it was probably going to be back to like, I guess it were, most of the the sourcing and reporting was maybe back to 15 where Atlanta was that they were going to be swapping picks. So I had asked Ian, you know, if, if they go back to 15, who are the prospects? Who are the two or three guys that you think are must-haves? And that's where 
he and I were sort of like, well, we don't really know. There's no one that we definitely want in this range. So that's the other argument to be made for taking lively, knowing that he he's going to at least uh, be brought in specifically to fill a need that the Mavericks desperately have um, is that there weren't other players in that draft range that I was like dead set on case and Wallace was a guy that I was definitely interested in and in that 12 to 15 16 range had the Mavericks been in that range he would have probably been someone I uh would have been top of my my board um I don't think I would have drafted him at 10 uh but yeah that's really more potato potato at this point because all of these players shifted around so much so quickly Mm -hmm. um but I think you you and I I think agree in in not wanting to have the Mavericks adding more guys that are 6263 to uh the roster but we also agree that we'd rather them have perimeter defenders or perimeter players you're looking more at the 666768 perimeter defenders but that would have been the plus of having Wallace is that the Mavericks just don't have anyone right now who can be like a bulldog defender on the ball on the perimeter uh and unless they add that here in the offseason in free agency in a trade um or unless josh green suddenly turns into that they don't have that on the roster so uh that's where i think the debate really is not about cam whitmore although i was very excited by the idea of them trading back and still getting him at 12 um But look at the rest of this list of names of guys that went from 13 to 20. There's there's no one that I would have been like, yes, this is the guy they had to have. Yeah, in, and that, instead of instead and, of lively. And that's why we talk so much about hoping um, someone would crash the party of that top nine uh, because yeah. we felt like it was such a teardrop from that pick down to the next tier of players. Um, so yeah, it, it is shocking that that happened. And then the Mavericks still didn't get one of those per, per consensus top nine, but obviously, and then, you know, obviously the, the medical red flags are there. And then you think like if Houston didn't have the 20th pick, you know, normally teams that are picking in the, you know, when you're in the 20, you're talking playoff teams now. Um, he might still be like, is he still falling? Like Houston takes him because Houston is a team that has nothing to lose. Well, like, I mean, so the, the argument would chance. be the argument would be that you'd have a contender that's like, we don't really re- need to rely that's on this too. guy for the next season or two. So let's let him get healthy. And then we have the steal three years from now. Um, I mean, that's, that's not Jr. right. I mean, they were still drafting. I think Porter went what 13 or something like that. So uh, the Denver was, you know, they took a shot, but it, it wasn't quite, you know, spot 20, but, but that would be the argument is that, you know, if you're a real contender, then y- you can let him, get healthy and develop but but uh but no i mean i I think there's maybe an argument to be had that case and you should have just picked case and wallace at 10 but clearly there were very few if any and that's one of the reasons that lively continued to to shoot up draft boards over the last several weeks there are very few centers Mm -hmm. in this draft that's a big thing we haven't mentioned yet um there's basically i mean i'm i'm i guess i'm looking at like a positional chart right now or like a list and uh you know i think there were one or two uh people on staff that were uh higher maybe on uh uh noah Clowney, um and who i think just got drafted or is yep. about to get drafted yep. by brooklyn yep. um 
he's the only other one that's not Victor Wembanyama in this draft. That's an actual like center. So, uh, you know, there's other guys that could maybe be a little more positionally versatile in the draft, but if you really wanted a center, then that's the guy you take. So, uh, I, I, I don't think you can argue with that aspect of it. No. And especially when, like you said, it was just, if Whitmore's off your board because of medical, so like he's not even a factor. Um, again, the list of players, Jordan just said, the the tier of players available, they're all guards. <laughs> they're all 6'3", they're all 6'4 guards, and the Mavericks already have Luka, they already have Kyrie, and honestly, like, you know, Josh Green is more guard-like to me than wing-like in terms of, you know, who is he going to be guarding. It would have been great to get a big wing there, but there just wasn't, just the way the board was falling, it just they would have it would have only made sense if they traded back even more. Um, which at that point, you know, that's that's really hard to do. It's hard to trade back as is, um, because everyone like, likes to trade back. Everyone likes to to still keep their draft pick and get some extra assets. So it is hard. See some people in the chat that are like, you guys, Maz Moneyball and wanted to draft people, you've been wanting to keep the pick, y'all better be happy. Uh, Mark W told me he's the blue chip talent you wanted on the last podcast, Josh. I I'm totally agree. I'm not trying to if my cadence uh, in this podcast has been that I'm disappointed with them taking Derek Lively, that is not uh, how I feel. He is an athletic badass, and the Mavericks need just as many of those as possible. I cannot wait to see him catch lobs. Uh, I cannot wait to see him just be someone that can move and run and, and jump. And the, other, <laughs> and the other thing I'll say is that, I mean, I, as one of the few people that's that's super draft heavy and like the one that's always arguing that they should never trade a pick right. and always just make the pick no matter where it's at. Um, I love that they, they, they made, I mean, they traded back and they made an actual pick of a guy that I think they are actually going to want to use. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't trade back to take Clint Capella and use Clint Capella as maybe a rental center. I mean, Clint Capella is obviously far more established and probably helps you win right now, maybe in the regular season and not the postseason. I don't, we don't have to get into Clint Capella. He's not going to be a Maverick. <laughs> but um, my point is they're investing long-term in someone, and that is what winning organizations do in the long term. If they want to sustain success, um, if we believe that they have the patience to let lively develop which was our question at the beginning but if they do have that patience then this is this is the good move because this is going to be sustained long-term development and growth and impact on a team rather than trading the pick for a one or two year rental of a veteran whether that's a wing or a center or whatever i like this a whole lot more oh definitely I think that's a good point where we need to stop and take a break um, because we have to insert ads into this podcast. Otherwise we do not get paid. Um, (laughs) This is my chance to tell everyone do not skip through the ads because they uh, that's how they track it, man. Um, So if you want to see us be supported, uh, do not fast forward through this upcoming ad break. We really appreciate your support. I'm glad you guys are listening. If you're listening live, uh, it's not going to, you know, we're going to take like a fake break. We'll be right back. If you're listening on the recorded, uh, please stick with us through the ad break. Uh, come back and listen. We've got more to talk about uh, with the Mavericks uh, trading back to 12, trading Davis Bertans, and drafting Duke center Derek Lively. Uh, we'll be right back uh, after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. And I think what I've been thinking about while you were talking, Jordan, about, you know, this is what we want. You know, this is what good organizations do. You know, even if some people have qualms about who they who they picked, it's less about who they picked and the process that goes kind of into it. And I think we we both agree the process is sound here. Um, there is something interesting though. You mentioned it, I think, when you first started talking uh, before the break or the first kind of segment we were talking about this. It is kind of funny how you can kind of trace this pick like back years, like the moment the leading to like everything that led to this pick has been going on for like five years. Like the Mavericks have been searching for a center. Um, good Lord, you could tie this back to, to when they let Tyson Chandler go uh, in 2012. <laughs> like this has been their white whale, right? They have, they have been searching for a long-term answer at center and we can go through some names, man. Samuel Dallenbear, Dewan Blair, Brandon Wright, uh oh my gosh who else eddie didn't eddie curry uh come in here for for a hot minute um is chris Kamen allowed to be chris K- oh in yeah that? chris Kamen, <laughs> elton brand um nerland's noel um oh, Dwight Powell, no, josh i'm so sorry uh, i know bernard james guys remember bernard james um like it has been for and now we're at you know javel mcgee twice Twice Street McGee. He used to be on the team. Yeah, Ops, uh, Willie um, Cauley Stein, which yep. is who some people have compared <laughs> Derek Lively to. Um, it it is uh, it's like it is, is a long, long. It's been an list. odyssey, um, and some of that is I can understand. I'm not saying I feel this way. Clar- I want to clarify. I do not feel this way. So, not get mad at me for for presenting what could be a negative opinion. I apologize to everyone listening, but. I do understand how people can look at what's happened. And then you think about it, it's like every move they made is trying to fix bad moves. They took mm-hmm. lively because mm-hmm. JaVale McGee was one of the most disastrous offseason signings in the last couple of years. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. Like if, if, if who they use the, the, their exception, like let's say JaVale McGee was good and worked out for them and they liked what he was doing. Maybe they still take lively. I don't know, but the, maybe they don't. You know, maybe they don't feel like the er, the need to take him, and they tried to do something else. You know, they've been trying to swing for a center for so long that you know they have to take one here. I say have to. You know, that they wanted to, um, and then you know Berton. They trade down to get off Berton's contract, which they traded Christoph Przingis for, who just got moved for maybe a slightly better. You can maybe nitpick 
if Washington got a, a better return for Kristaps than the Mavericks did, it's kind of about equal. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still they're dumping a contract they didn't want that they willingly acquired. So I can understand some fans maybe being a little disappointed that what they did with this draft was just trying to clean up messes. Because I know a lot of people want this roster to just take a step forward. But part of taking a step forward is you have to clean, you know, the messes don't go away if you don't clean them up. So that's kind of part of it. But I just wanted to say, I just think it's funny that you can trace back this pick to the Mavericks just weird, weird quest to find a big man solution. Well, and I mean, there's, there is uh we do it the same same way as fans because every like third tweet that you see about the Mavericks and lively over the last several weeks has compared him to Tyson Chandler because that's what everyone's, I mean, obviously uh dream of, of what a Maverick center uh, should be uh, is Tyson Chandler. So uh, you're absolutely right that this has not only been their white whale, but is also um is also something that they have constantly been in search of um, even before the Doncic era, but especially in the Doncic era, there's just been a, uh, a turnstile of big men and like utility big men to kind of just fill that rim protection lob threat role because as intelligent uh, like basketball intelligent as Dwight Powell has been and has is you know, I think I think Josh, you're the one that that believes he's sort of been underrated because of the criticisms about his impact on the game. But he's for as good as he is in the things that he does, he can't be the rebounder and protector uh, that the Mavericks need. And so, Lively is is that. Um, and even if it is indirect, if if there's a lineage to the pick that goes back eleven plus years. Uh, 12 years, whatever it is, um, there is at least some hope that maybe this is that solution because he's going to be on a controllable contract for quite some time. And even if they have to pivot at some point uh, from him, hopefully he's developed enough. Teams are always looking for rim protectors. So there will be trade value in his game uh, from day one as well because of that skill set. It is not something that every big man possesses in this version of the NBA. And uh, so those are all positives. Those are all things, whether you think it's, it's, it's definitely not a flashy pick. I don't think anyone can argue that it's a flashy pick. Uh, but even if you feel a little down on the pick um, or uninspired by the pick, uh, there's, there's no way that, that you can discredit that aspect of it. Yeah. And just the sheer athleticism boost he will bring, like, I mean, I've been arguing for that for years, like years, uh, even when the Mavericks did make draft picks, you know, they didn't necessarily get guys with this type of athleticism uh, all the time. Um, although they have, you know, Josh Green lately now. So they, they're finally starting to get some guys that can run and jump, which I've just been begging for, for, for a while. Um, looks like uh, listener Harris. Are you see, are you seeing that quote, the Michael Finley quote, Jordan? I just saw it on my phone. I didn't it's, see it. <laughs> that is the best quote ever. I've always loved Michael Finley. He's been one of my favorite Mavericks of all time. And this just keeps cementing it. Um, if you're not, obviously if you're listening to the recording, uh, you've probably already seen it, but uh, someone asked Finley, the Mavericks are doing their uh, post pick uh, presser answering questions about the lively pick. Someone asked him if lively fills, all the Mavs holes for rebounding defense. And he says, Oh no, he didn't, he doesn't address all our needs. 
Did you see us play last year? Um, which is oh, really I, I didn't nice. see I didn't oh. see that quote. I was actually laughing at a different Finley quote, which was literally as I was saying it, he was also being quoted as saying that I hate to put this comparison on him, but he kind of reminds me of a young Tyson Chandler. Oh, which That's is funny because they, they do this to every like they did that with <laughs> Noel. Every, they did it with Holly Stone. It's every really funny. One. But um, that's a funnier quote, the one you had. I did oh, not yeah, see yeah. that one. He, yeah, he says, Oh no, he didn't he didn't address all our needs. Did you see us play last year? Which is just <laughs> That's refreshing, to be honest. I mean, they know they have more work to do. And I mean, we know that. But let's be real. Like, sometimes we don't know. You know, we like to assume that the teams know that. But they don't always know that. So um, so that's nice to hear, actually. It's funny, but it's also like uh, there's obviously more work to do uh, this offseason. And I think we felt that with the way the team talked uh, toward the end of last season. Um, weird Mark Cuban press conference about Jalen Brunson notwithstanding. I think most of the comments from Nico and some other people with you know, sourcing within the team, you know, the reporters that were on the scene, it definitely felt like last season was the wake up call. I think a lot of us maybe were hoping they were ha- they would have had it a little bit earlier in terms of how they were building the roster, but it seems like they've had that wake up call. Um, well, and I think, I mean, maybe this is this is wishful thinking, but the night technically is still sort of yep. young. We're still in the first round here. If you're listening later, and there were reports pretty quickly, I think from Sham Sharania or, or someone else that's, that's a credible person that the Mavericks were actively trying to shop that traded player exception that they were acquiring through the deal with Oklahoma city um, in, in an effort to either uh, get a future pick or a pick tonight while also taking on a larger veteran contract, fill that TPE, which I believe was also, I think John Hollinger at, at the athletics said that, if it was as part of the, uh, the deal with Oklahoma City as a, then being made a three-team deal that the Mavericks could take back up to $21 million in salary, um, even though that TPE is, I think, at 16 or $17 million. So uh, whether that's just, you know, I don't know, PR or something or just an effort to see what fishing for what's out there, if the Mavericks are trying to get back in right now, that's pretty refreshing. It's pretty rare that the Mavericks, I mean, I know they did that technically last year by trading back in to get uh, Jaden Hardy, uh, but it it hasn't been too often that they have been that active on, on a uh, draft night where they're trying to get back in and get another first round pick. Yeah. Um, And, you know, to to pour some, some cold water on that fire, um, their traded player exceptions are not, Used a lot. Never, um, never used. Never used. I mean, if you're a Mavericks fan, I mean, you they've had what, like two or three of them in the last like five or six years, and they never used them. So wasn't the wasn't the Harrison Barnes yes. trade? Didn't that bring back like a zillion dollar trade? It was like it was like it was like the largest one ever. Um, <laughs> it was like twenty three million, and they didn't use it. So, but you know, we uh, say that, and then I, know. I, I swear, like a, a a year or two ago, someone used a pretty sizable player exception on someone else so other teams have used them but i don't remember the last time the mavericks did yeah and the the one difference is there is a new cba there are some that is coming there are some teams that are probably scared about how much money they owe to some players with this new cba so if there was a time for for a traded player exception to maybe make some sense maybe it's now when i think i mean we don't know but we assume that there are some teams that want to get off some bad money that could look even worse when this new CBA uh, goes into effect, which I believe not this season, but the 2024, 2025 season, maybe, or maybe it is this season. I can't remember either way. 
No, uh, following. Yeah. Yeah. I, either way, when that CBA kicks in, whether it's this season or next season, I apologize, not knowing the exact day. Uh, some of those contracts that look bad right now are going to look even worse. Maybe the Mavericks can swoop in and be like, hey, we'll take that contract. Uh, just give us a pick or something. I will say, yeah. you know, I know this is live. There are still some like. Oh, oh Josh, it, it happened. What happened? The Kings are trading Rashawn Holmes and the number 24 pick to Dallas. There we go. Okay. And Dallas is selecting Olivier Maxence Prosper at number 24. Oh, man. Wow. Now we're happy. Yeah, we got the smile. Or you're happy. Go, Jordan. You know this. <laughs> I don't cooking. know this guy, but everyone, every I, draft I, person I've talked to loves this guy. Are you so? Yeah. I'm going to have to pull up notes. You're, you may have to vamp a little bit. The, the, <laughs> yes, you are right. A lot of draft people uh, have been high on him. He had a really impressive combine. Um, and uh, Ian, that, that was someone that Ian had, had pointed out from the combine as having a uh, a really strong week and was moving up boards from kind of a fringe second round player into the first round. Um, but I was still seeing him kind of in that range. So it, it, it it's, it's around that spot where he had kind of grown from being maybe mid thirties into a mid twenties uh, draft pick. Yeah, But uh... I, I guess the other question here is the other part of that is, is them trading for Rashawn Holmes, who is one of those guys that we have always uh, <laughs> uh, talked about as like a, do the Maverick, is he perfect for the Mavericks because of his skill sets as a, as a lob threat, as an athletic guy. And I think we thought maybe he was a little past his, his uh, prime as a center and maybe too expensive. Um, but uh, wow, that's, you know, I've never, I've, this is the, first of all, the first time I've ever done a live pod at all, <laughs> but, fun. but to also have this happen at the same time is, is making my head spin a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the thing with, uh, with Holmes is that he has fallen off tremendously since I think Mavericks fans first wanted him. Holmes is more of the tax to get 24. Um, he the, fell out of the Kings rotation and the Kings needed bigs, by the way. So the fact that he fell out of their rotation, he's kind of washed. Like, I don't expect him to – I mean, he might get some minutes on the Mavericks because they just need big man depth so desperately. Like, he might be better minutes than JaVale McGee, for example. But I would not get too excited about him. The return here is getting back into the 24th, which I was just saying before you before we this happened was I was saying, man, it would be cool if they could get into the bottom of the first because there's – when I was talking to Logan, this was the range with all the really nice wings available. Guys that you would want to take at 10 or 12, yeah. 11, but that look really good in this in this range. Um, this guy, like you said, has risen up the boards. I'm going to go to uh, our friend of the site, Brian Schroeder. Uh, he uh, is one of, uh, one of our favorite uh, draft analysts here at MMB, and he's a friend of the site. Um, I'm pulling up his big board right now. He had uh, Prosper as his 23rd best player, not for mock, uh, just just ranking players. He had him as the 23rd best player in his draft. So Matt's picking with 24. That sounds like pretty good value. The pitch, he says, strong, big-bodied scoring four who can shoot. Prosper is a legit 6'8", 220 pounds. Offensive role, smooth scorer and streak shooter who can catch fire with the best of them. Defensive role, classic combo forward without a defined role on defense, but has some good traits. Like you said, he was a big riser in the in the draft process with the combine. I think he was someone. I think he was someone that kind of came out of. I think 
I can't remember. Was he someone that had a lot of high expectations with Marquette and he didn't meet them or did he kind of just, was he a late bloomer? Uh, that that I don't know, actually. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, like, do you his, know if he was his, a big high school guy? I don't know. I don't know that either. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That was not, he was not someone that I tracked very heavily going through the season. Uh, and, and really because he came on a little uh, late for me, I, I didn't do the same kind of research I would have on the back end to see like where he came from on that regard. So I'm, I'm not the expert in, in that, in that, in that uh, department, but I mean, he is, he is athletic and that energetic defender, which is what I was talking about earlier with, do you take case and Wallace at, uh, at 10 he he could be that explosive defender that you need uh on the perimeter which is i mean that's exciting uh be, because of uh you know he he's not going to be the guy that, that demands um the attention uh, at i mean not to say that that would have been case and wallace either I, I i don't know enough about him personality wise to say that but um but he's going to be an active role player an energy role player um, and can be, yeah, he can be that, that, uh, hyper active, aggressive, uh, defender along the perimeter. Yeah. Um, fits the mold. Like, like what we were just talking about, they needed a wing. They needed a big wing. Yes. Uh, this, yes. and this was, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is a guy that a lot of draft people really like. Um, you look at his stat. I mean, something that I like, no, it's not always great, but I just like guys that produce in college which is funny because Derek lively did not i understand but <laughs> not at like, all <laughs> but i don't want to that's like not it's kind of like a cherry on top like because like yeah. the big thing for me was like desmond bain for four years at tcu power conference like just continually produced and got better um like just consistent and i'm looking at you know uh prosper's co- college year his sophomore year i mean 15 and a half points six rebounds a game true shooting percentage above yeah, at 61 almost 62 which is really good for college, especially uh, in a power conference, uh, Marquette was Marquette Big Ten or Big East. I can't remember. Big East. Ooh, um, yeah. Free throw percentage seventy one. Um, rim percentage he shot seventy percent at the rim, and he shot thirty four and a half percent from three. Um, that that seems cool. That seems like what they need. This is yeah. someone that I think talking to draft people. Like this could be the four. Like this is someone that they could mold into being like a starting four, almost maybe like a. Like this is like this is the guy. Like if you can't get Taylor Hendricks, like he almost seems like I, I might be going crazy here, uh, but almost maybe similar type of players, but maybe just not as, you know, just just different talent level. I don't know. I didn't want again. I didn't watch this guy. I'm really sorry. I wasn't prepared. Um, <laughs> But everyone I've talked to says this guy was a really, really good wing prospect. And I like the fact that he can already shoot. Um, I hate teaching guys to learn how to shoot. Um, that's never one of my favorite things. So I don't know. I like this is cool. I mean, they they addressed their two biggest needs coming into this draft was yeah. they needed a big man and they needed a wing. They got both of them. Yes. And they're both yep. they're both the draft guys like. I mean, what you know, I don't know what else to say, Jordan. This is awesome. Yeah, I mean it, it, the the reason you would i mean the reason that the good teams uh, are picking at the end the, not the reason they pick at the end of the, the first round uh but in picking at the end of the first round a lot of times they are getting players that are going to be the high end role players um so it doesn't have to be a swing for the fences move like you would like 
that's where I think some of how we were talking about the 10th pick that turned into the 12th pick was like your your mind, I guess, dreams a little bit when you're at that point in the draft is like maybe we can we can get the um, undiscovered or the underrated talent that turns into a star level player. That's what you're, you you think maybe you can get at 10 or 12. But when you're picking around 24 or mid to late uh, first round, you're looking for those. A lot of times those are the guys that, that come to the surface are the, the players that are going to be the elite role players. And I think that's what uh, prospers. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's what his Avenue is going to be. And he could be that quickly. Uh, so that, that that's exciting because it was exactly the things that I was arguing against about leaving the 10th pick on the table or taking a center there. I, I don't want to say they solved all of that here, but but it's it's at least exciting to see that they identified that and found a way to use the TPE immediately, which is what I, I think I'm seeing as reported, that they're taking Rashawn Holmes into that TPE. Um, so they're actually using it. Whether Holmes is going to be uh, – uh, whether Holmes is going to be you know a solution or an actual rotation player, I don't know. He fell out of that Kings rotation at some point, I think, early to mid last season. Um, but they're, they're solving some issues here tonight, which I, that's more than I could ask for, or at least attempting to, they've identified, we can all agree on the problems. They're, they're on the same page as us in finding these players to meet those needs. Yeah. And I think, um, I think the I kind of, I've been trying to look around because again, prosper, I did not, talk enough about him in the pre-draft process. Um, and then this is all catching us off guard. It looks like the reason why he maybe maybe wasn't a, a higher rated prospect was his stocks, his steel block numbers in college were not what you'd want to see from a 6'8 long, you know, powerful athlete that he is. Um, so that's maybe the, that's why he's available where he is in the 20s. And maybe that's why he wasn't taken uh, somewhere between 10 and 20 um, because uh, draft people that's like their bible stat like looking at the steals and block rates for for guys in college for whatever reason that's like a big indicator of if you're going to be a successful draft player um i guess because yeah. it goes into a lot of a lot of you know athleticism and intuitiveness and, and if you're a good defender you're always going to stick around in the league so um his numbers apparently weren't what you would want from a guy that has his physical profile, but apparently I think he, he answered a lot of those questions in the combine and in workouts. I'm looking on Twitter. I'm seeing reports from reporters that were like, he just, he blew people away in workouts. Um, Hmm. And he was a guy that showed himself very well, uh, like in five on fives, like with other prospects. So like, well, and um, I I think, I mean, I, I don't, do we know, did, did he come in and work out for the Mavericks? Was that reported I, on or not? I, I don't know. I mean, with the Mavericks, they don't tell you who's working. <laughs> no one, no right. one tells I just you know. Who's well, know. I, 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 I do remember at some point a report. And I don't know if maybe there were no names that were being named, but there was at some point an indication that the Mavericks had maybe been working out several players that were seen as late first round, mid to mm-hmm. late first round players, which was sort of reinforcing this idea that they were shopping the tenth pick and looking to move back or acquire extra picks or something. Um, so you know. The uh, the the positive in all of that is is that 
there shouldn't be question about that they've done their due diligence here. It wasn't like they were just kind of swinging for the fences or running wild after they made the first move, that they were prepared to do something like this and identified the player that they wanted. That's, I mean, that's, you know, the hope. Um, and I think that, I think that that might be the case here just because he is that long athletic perimeter defender that, I mean, I spent the first half of this pod whining about, and I think we were talking about <laughs> early on is wanting to find some wing defender uh, that could provide that. And I think, I think maybe they found that. Yeah. And this is, um, yeah, it's just, this is just good work. I mean, we, they traded, they traded for a first round pick, by the way, this is the <laughs> first time they've acquired a first round pick through trade since 2004 for Devin Harris. Um, That's unbelievable. That's an uh, unbelievable piece of trivia. <laughs> they uh, acquired a 2010 first rounder, the 25th pick, but they straight up bought that one from the Memphis Grizzlies in 2010. It was not a trade. Uh, they just bought it. Um, because that's where we were in that era of the NBA where like late first rounders felt like they were worthless. Um, you know, in that mid late two thousands, early, early tens era of the NBA basketball. But yes, the Mavericks have finally traded for a first round pick. That's great. Um, and they went after, like we said, they went after the two things that they needed and you can't really, yep. can't really fault them for that. And they played the board as it was, which I think is really fun too. Like yeah. they didn't, it doesn't seem like they panicked. Um, you know, it might not have been in the order that we wanted in terms of wing and big. They went big first, then wing. But you know, you can only you, know, you can only get the players that are that are there. You know, the, you, we can, you know, maybe they really wanted Taylor Hendricks, but you know, it doesn't turn out that way. You have to go to Plan B, Plan C, and Plan D. And that's one of the things we've always talked about with the Mavericks is we always felt like, do they have a plan? Um, and it feels like tonight they had a plan, and that's that's a really well, nice feeling. I, I find I find myself in the moment trying to like temper any uh enthusiasm not enthusiasm but like over excitement because we were just talking earlier today about how excited many of us were about the 2020 draft when they traded yeah. back in and mm -hmm. got some players that i felt and others felt were good early second round prospects and that maybe they were like really identifying some key development things so i'm trying to like not get overly really excited to remind myself that I've had similar feelings before, but I, it, it is, uh, this is a different mode of operation for this Mavericks front office um, and the team as a whole in terms of how they are, they just haven't for the longest time invested much into young draft players. And we're, this is night one, right? So like, we don't know what's going to happen to either of these rookies how they fit into the roster, how they'll be utilized early on. Um, but it's exciting to think that like things that we have complained about them needing to do seem to be the same things that they, they, they agree with that and that they actually use the draft to maybe find long-term development solutions to those things rather than trading picks away in order to, I think I said this earlier already, but trading picks away to get one or two year rentals on veterans who are either past their prime or are distressed assets in some way. Um, this is, I, this is a, you know, more than I could have, 
could have asked for. And I guess I'm, I like to talk about the draft stuff, but I know you were, as I was like scanning through notes and things, um, talking a little bit about Holmes, but where do you, I think you were saying like, let's not get carried away. He's probably not going to do anything. What, where does he fit into this puzzle? Is he, I mean, the the big question, I'm asking you tons of questions here and that, which isn't fair, but Powell is a, is a free agent right now. Dwight Powell is. Um, So JaVale McGee and Maxi Kleba and am I forgetting some, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. Is there for, another center for the big meritation? Yeah, it's just yeah. Javale, Maxi, Powell, now Holmes, so pa- and, now and, and technically, but technically Powell is not right. is not technically at this point not a Maverick. Does Rashawn Holmes become the starter, and that alleviates you having to sign Dwight Powell? Because then you're dealing with, if you sign Dwight Powell, now you have Lively, Powell, Holmes, Kleba, McGee. Do you need that many? centers on a roster I, I mean i know they're trying to there, there were reports that they were trying to find ways to move mcgee's contracts and maybe you move mcgee somehow and then sign powell to a short-term deal or something but it, where does holmes fit into all of that that's interesting because you're right if they re-sign powell that's a lot of that's a lot of big that's a lot of bigs um yes and that's a lot of bigs that won't be playing a lot uh like when you think about like a mcgee uh, specifically, and you think about, you know, where is Lively going to fit in? Is he going to play right away? Holmes is a player I was interested in, you know, maybe two or three years ago, but he fell off. Like he fell off dramatically yeah. in the last 12 to 18 months. Um, I mean, we think about Sacramento and think about that series against Golden State um, and think about how they were just, they needed minutes, you know, when Sabonis wasn't on the floor. He got played off the floor. They had nothing. Like they did not play a backup big because that's how far Holmes had fallen out of the rotation. They just went yeah. five out. Uh, and they did that most of the regular season. Uh, Holmes averaged eight minutes a game last year, only played in 42 games. Um, his wor- By far his worst season of his pro career, even his worse than his rookie year. Um, yeah. He uh, – something – I don't know what happened to him. He is 29, you know wouldn't say you would think he would fall off that quickly, but I don't know if he is playable um, right now, but again, is he more playable than McGee? Maybe, but I don't know. That's a, you would like, <laughs> that's not a great question that you want to ask yourself. I don't know. Um, Holmes just feels, I think Holmes is going to be the tax. I don't know if they're going to actually play him. Uh, well, and not. I mean, I, I thought he was actually, I think I said earlier that his, his contract was he was getting overpaid and, and he I guess technically is if he's playing 42 games and only eight minutes a game but he's only making 12 million which was less than I, I thought he was making like 15 16 million mm-hmm. um which you know those are small numbers I guess in grand he's technically things, owed but, more his he's technically owed more money for longer than Bertans funny enough uh because Bertans oh that's interesting I think Bertans is only guaranteed five next year uh, with the way his uh, contract structure. So I think Holmes will be making more money than Bertans, not this season, but next season. Um, but again, you get a first rounder. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, the whole point, yeah. that's the, the initial report from Sham Sharania was that they were 
trying to use that TPE immediately to get back in and get another pick. So they were not trading for Holmes. That was not the point. They were right. trading to get back into the draft. I was just curious because that yeah. Holmes was a name that he was just one of those guys, like Christian Wood, to be honest, one of those guys that was like flashed some offensive ability as a young center that Mavericks fans talked about. It seemed like every few off seasons for, for a bit there. And it was only two seasons ago that he was averaging 14 points and eight rebounds a game playing 29 minutes a game. He was, a, he was a starter yeah. the full season, 61 games that, that year. And Sacramento, I don't think was great that season, but uh, it wasn't that long ago. And so is that, you know, just like lively, is there a thought that like, does Luca elevate him just enough that he becomes a usable piece, not a full-time starter, not, a 35 minute per game, 30 minute per game center. But I'm just curious what, what that is, or I, I, do they just re-sign Powell to a one-year deal and Holmes just rides the bench next to JaVale McGee for the next (laughs) 10 months? That's going to be interesting. I wonder, because they're going to have to make that decision before they know how ready Lively is. You know, they're not going to, you know, they're going to have to know that before they get to training camp and they see Lively and they feel confident, you know, I guess what we see, what they do with Powell, will, you know, we'll, they'll answer that question. If they re-sign Powell, then we'll know that they maybe don't expect Lively to start right away and they, or they don't think Holmes is playable. If they don't re-sign Powell, uh, then maybe we, you know, then we'll know that they either think Holmes is, is something that they can feel like they can get something out of, or they're going to throw Lively in the deep end maybe quicker than we thought. So We'll see. That's really interesting to think about because, you know, it's hard to think of Dwight Powell not on the Mavericks. It just yeah. it just feels like he is he is eternally so, here. Um, so it looks like he has a player option. Holmes does. He's probably taking it. <laughs> yep. He has a player option uh, summer of 24-25. Yep. How, for how much? 12.8 yeah. is he what's will, being reported. He will not be making uh, 12.8 if he opts out of that player option, judging no. by what happens. So, so, yeah. So they're, they they took on like you're saying they took on money there they shed Bertans, uh, his his deal but they actually took on more money here I suppose right um, yes I I guess I don't one thing I don't know that's how that works yeah yeah the one thing I don't know about the cap uh, right now is I don't know if this affects them opening up the full mid level exception which they did when they traded Bertans. Um, so I don't know if that goes away now. Um, I don't know if using the TPE means they get to keep it or not. Uh, I'm sure some say that again, say that one more time. I'm trying to figure out if they still get to keep the full mid-level exception that they opened up when they traded away Bertans because now they're taking in Holmes's money. I don't know if using the TPE makes a difference. So I'm looking in Slack as we're going through here too. Um, and uh, Matt shared a tweet from uh, someone who said that uh, Holmes has a trade bonus worth 1.8 million that will adjust his 23-24 salary, salary to 13.9. Dallas will have 3.1 million remaining from their TPE. Mavericks 52 million below the tax with 10 players, plenty of room to sign, sign Kyrie Irving and use the 12.4 MLE. So I'm su- I suppose that means the 12.4 MLE will will still be available. Okay, well then there we go. I will trust that over. Yeah, I, I guess I don't. <laughs> I, I don't... We need a, a, an actual cap expert here because I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure 
Yeah. This is someone it, from Hoops Hype is the one that reported that. Yeah, but hey, if that so came into this, so they took 10 and Bertans and turned that into Derek Lively, Prosper, and opening up your mid-level exception, which feels and feels like, feels Holmes, like and Richard Holmes, Holmes yeah. which you know, think think of him as you will. Uh yeah. yeah. Who knows if he's gonna play or not, but um wow. That's pretty cool. Um, Prosper has a seven-one wingspan. Yeah, Man, he's long, um, long yeah. and athletic, long and athletic. Yeah, so he's like, so he's he's not just because the one thing with Dorian, I love you know, don't want to knock on Dorian was you know he was long uh, and a decent, but he wasn't you know he wasn't a guy that jumped out of the gym. Uh, I don't know if Prosper is either, but it seems like he is a he is an elite tier athlete. From, from what I'm seeing, which I don't necessarily know if Dorian was uh, as good as he was with the Mavericks. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and I think you'll if you just look at some tape yeah. of uh, Prosper and and uh, you can just see he's like a like a large frame, like he is a like just an athletic large frame. That if you're pointing to someone like Dorian. Uh, didn't have that kind of frame. I mean, uh, Prosper is also is also long and thin. Um, he, he's he's not super uh, thick um, athletically, but but he just has a, a frame where you can see him putting on more muscle um, and being that guy that's just going to be a disruptor on the perimeter. I've seen now a number of people mention this, but he kind of has like that PJ Tucker defensive vibes, which Ooh, hey. I mean. <laughs> I don't know when the last time the Mavericks had someone like that. I don't want right. to, I don't like p- putting comps out there, but if he could grow into that alongside Luca on the perimeter defensively or for Luca on the perimeter defensively, like that's, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. And I think I've seen some, some Logan Thompson in Slack. Apparently um, when they met, when uh, Marquette played UConn, uh, they put him on Jordan Hawkins and I had him and he chased him around screens. And you're trusting yeah, and a six eight guy to to move around screen screens. And he can track. I mean, me. he can track through traffic. He can track through screens. He stays attached to the guy. Like th- those are the sort of things uh, that the Mavericks do not have, have not had. No, Someone yeah, who can fight had. through traffic yeah. to be that lengthy defender. They just they have not had that. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. Um, and I, I think I wanted to circle back. You know, we're we're at an hour, almost an hour and ten minutes, so we need to we need to wrap it up here. But um, I want to circle back to your point about how you know when we talked about the 2020 draft and how that was a universally lauded draft uh, when it was over for the Mavericks, and how obviously it did not turn out the way that that people expected. Not necessarily to 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 be a, a negative Nancy about it, but just to to offer some perspective. So even if these guys don't turn out the way that you want them to, the thing that's really impressed me tonight with the Mavericks is the process. You know, we can't always, teams can't always control the results. You know, they can do as much as they can, player development, coaching, getting guys in the right situations, et cetera, uh, creating the right environment for these guys to grow into the players that they can reach their full potential with. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with human beings and not robots. and There's no telling what's going to happen. So for me, it's always been, is the process sound? Even if the results don't work, I can live with the decision-making if the process makes sense. The process makes a hell of a lot of sense tonight. And yeah. what have we been screaming about for 
a decade or longer. Use the draft. You're if you're not Miami, LA, New York, if you're if you're not in one of those markets, you have to use the draft. And even if you are, Miami uses the draft. Like they get free agent meetings with everyone. They still use the draft. They still use the undrafted free agent market. Uh, they do their work. Um, you cannot build a contender without using the draft in, in the NBA right now. You just cannot. You especially cannot if again you're not a team like uh, the Lakers or the Clippers, where one of the best players in the game will just decide he wants to go to your market, um, which the, Ma- the Mavericks are not that team, uh, despite how awesome Luka is. They're just not. So you have to use the draft, and they did. And if these guys don't work out, we can hem and haw about maybe other players they could have picked, but this is what we've been wanting them to do forever. It, it felt like it's felt like pulling a, a cow stuck, like a horse stuck in the mud or whatever you want to call it, but they did it. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's a cause. That's a cause for celebration. I'm, I'm being earnest here. They, they, this is yeah. what we wanted them to do, and they did it. Well, and it's it's not just like for the for the sake of developing talent long term. It's also a financial reason to do that. Yes. They're constantly looking for a guy like Prosper on the trade market or in free agency that aren't coming here. But you're getting controllable years with a guy like that at an affordable rate that you're not going to get on the market like that. So, you know, I. I I I haven't looked to see if there's anyone that is criticizing this this move yet. I, I don't know what the criticism would be unless you just don't think Prosper is that guy. Um, but this is – I think someone here in the chat had said that. But uh, Martin, yeah, there's a comment here that this is about as creative as I've ever seen them mm-hmm. be. And, yeah, I, I fully agree with that, that they just – I mean, I guess you could point to them trading back in – uh, to get Hardy, who turned out to be a guy that looked like he could play some filler minutes here and there and might have more long-term potential. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to point back to the creativity of getting back into the draft in 2020, even though those players did not work out, that was still process that made sense at the time to say like, okay, we're getting some development pieces here that could be around. Um, but it, this is them really identifying their needs and finding creative ways to do it. Well said. Um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, so I think we should just wrap it up here. Um, I can't believe Lord we're still me. in the first round. Like it, just for people that are listening, it's still like the pick 30 is just now happening. I know they could, um, it's a Lord, long they draft. Could, they could buy their way into the second round. We don't know. The Mavericks still might not, <laughs> might not be done, but they are running out of roster spots now. So there's yeah. only so much, more, there's only so much more they can do. Um, uh so so we'll see um this is a good night for the mavericks regardless of what happens in the future um check the site um i haven't checked our slack enough i'm sure it is on fire uh yeah, usually when good, stuff. yeah there there will be a lot of stuff on mavswinningball.com uh i am sure kirk will come back with full of piss and vinegar ready to uh <laughs> in in the best of way not that he's mad um just he'll he will be ready to unload the takes i'm sure um and he will be ready to do a live show to bring you guys up i'm sure sometime next week to talk about this because uh there's a lot to talk about it's it's fun now um so i'm gonna wrap it up here uh go check mazmoneyball.com for more draft coverage check this feed we will probably do some more follow-up podcasts get, maybe talk to more of our draft guys uh logan and ian maybe we can get them on maybe talk to some other uh, draft people yeah. nationally yeah. to see what their reactions are um and we'll go from there jordan thank you for joining me tonight it's been a long night uh, I know it's Thank not always you. easy. Um, we are both parents of, of young children, so it's not always the easiest thing to do to to just 
dedicate an entire evening to side yeah, gigs. This is this is late night for me. <laughs> this, this is, is late yeah. night. You you're the late you're the late that's, night guy, but uh, this is super true. late for me. That's true. Well, I appreciate you sticking it out. Living wild. Glad you had to have some fun. Glad you got to be on a live show where something broke in the middle of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You broke your first yeah. broke some news. That's great. Oh, um, very important. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, this is Pod Maverick. This is Josh Bowe. This is fellow editor of Jordan Brodus. We are signing off. We will talk to you guys later. Uh, check the site uh, and check this feed. We'll be talking more about it. Uh, again, to kind of put a button on it. Uh, the Mavericks so far, we don't know what else is going to happen. <laughs> if live. Um, but the Mavericks turn the 10th pick into and Davis Bertans into Derek Lively with the 12th pick and then trading back into the first round with the 24th pick to take, oh my God, what's his first name? Um, uh, Prosper. What's his What's his first name? Oh, Omax? Olivia oh, Max. Olivia Max Prosper. Uh, Marquette forward. Uh, and then Derek Lively with the 12th pick, the Duke center. Um, we will talk to you guys later. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.